We do have a Bible study this morning. So if you would turn your Bibles, we're going to divert from the study that Pastor Jeff has been doing in Colossians. And this morning, we're going to be in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. And we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 25. So Luke 8, 22 through 25. This is my third service. I'm not used to doing three services like Pastor Jeff. He can do them all day long. But if it sounds like my voice is going out a little bit, I sound like a girl, don't laugh at me. We'll get through this, you know. I'm still getting used to this. Okay, a couple things while you're turning there to Luke chapter 8. One is there's a wagon in the foyer area you see has some blankets. And so if you brought a blanket for the children's park uh, ministry, you uh, and you haven't gotten it back. Look in the in the wagon, and um, when we brought them back, and so we want to make sure if you brought one and you want it back that you get it back. So look over there in that wagon in the foyer. The other thing, if you still have a bottle for the baby bottle campaign, um, even if it's empty, bring it back, and uh, we'll make sure that it gets to the right people and gets to Gail and stuff. So just a reminder of a couple of those things. Also a reminder, this is a good time for you to turn off your ringers, off your phone, and those kind of things. So um, with that said, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. Let's pray first for our Bible study. Father, we thank you, Lord. And we thank you that we can be here this morning. We have come and we have worshiped you, Lord. So now that we have our hearts opened, I pray that we would, as we have our Bibles open, we would have our hearts open to you. And Lord, we thank you so much that we can come into your presence, Lord, that you are here and you very much want to teach us through your word. That you very much, Lord, want to touch hearts, that your spirit uh, uh, moving into the, in this sanctuary and into this building, Lord, I pray that you would bless each and every one that is here from the youngest to the oldest, from the children's ministry to the middle school, and what's going on up there. I pray, Father, Lord, that you would touch hearts and teach us, Lord. And may we be teachable. If there's anything that keeps us from doing that, I pray, Father, we would be able to lay that aside. So we thank you, we praise you, and we thank you the work that you are going to do with us this morning. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 22, now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased, and there was calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. So what we have is we have this count which is very familiar to maybe probably a lot of us. We also see this account in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, and Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Now, there might be somebody out there this morning saying, this is a nice story, but what has it got to do with me this morning? I mean, I doubt very much if any of us are going to be bound up in a literal storm on the Sea of Galilee. 
But there are some of you that are going to take a tour of Israel this fall. This fall. So if you're one of them, if you're going to go on that trip, you will get on a boat. You will go out to the Sea of Galilee. So you probably want to pay attention pretty good for what we have to say this morning. But for most of us, we won't literally be in this situation. But for you and me, may we be reminded of what Scripture says of itself. It's given to us by inspiration. It's given to us for our instruction and our reproof and doctrine. And I think of our, inst- our instruction here in Luke chapter 8 that we read this morning, that that instruction is broader than a storm. And that you and I have been given instruction from Jesus to go over to the other side. And by the way, that's important to this text. Jesus didn't say, let's go under to the other side. He said, let's go over to the other side. And he says the same thing to us this morning. Having been born again, we now go over to a place of living by faith, resting in his promises. And here in Luke 8, we have the Lord one of the disciples to cross over to the other side of the lake. And he is going to reveal to them more of who he really is. Just like he reveals to us each and every day as Christians, he reveals to us things more and more as we grow in his word, as we enter deeper into a way of a spirit-filled life and seek those things that God has for us. And as Christians, we will have a number of storms. And if you haven't realized that, you will. So as Christians, we have those storms just as there are storms in unbelievers' life. The difference, of course, is as we face our storms, we don't face them alone, in spite of feeling sometimes like we're going down. And David cried out in Psalm 42, Oh my God, my soul cast down within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon and the hill of Mitzar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your water spouts. All of your ways and bellows are going over me. And David wasn't literally talking about a storm. What he was doing is he was speaking spiritually and emotionally, physically. It was like he was being washed over, over and over again with trouble. Just wave after wave of trouble came, and he felt like it was sinking him. And we can feel that way. And the Lord desires for us to find protection and rest and to lean on his promises. I said at second service, I said, the Lord has over 7,000 promises, some commentators are saying, in the Bible. Now, I don't know all of them, of course, but there are some that I know and I want to know really good. The Hebrews 3, 5 says, he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Somebody came up to me afterwards and said, I looked it up. There's 700, 635 specifically for us. It's good. You did your homework. But those are promises that we can lean on. Jude says to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. That's our Christian journey. And the Lord wants to take us in spite of the trouble, in spite of the hassles, in spite of those times where we feel like we're sinking. He wants to take us to a deeper place of his presence. And he wants us to respond to him in a more personal way. To take his word so it is alive and fresh and that we want to thirst and hunger for it every day. And that we have deeper fellowship with him. 
and that we become ones that come to know him and we desire to know him and that we know him so intimately that we become like him. And he's given us his word and his spirit to do that. And when we feel like we're sinking in the cares of life, he hasn't forgotten us and he isn't asleep. So in verse 22 there, let's begin to look close, more closely at this account. It says again, now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat and is with his disciples. And he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. <clears throat> and they launched out. So it begins with now it happened on a certain day. What day? Well, the day that Jesus gave the parable of the soils, the day that Jesus gave the parable of the lamp that we see earlier in this chapter. So it was the same day, it had been a long day, which Jesus was teaching, and he's teaching to massive crowds. He'd be around the town of Capernaum, which is on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. So he spends the entire day teaching to this massive crowd, and then at the end of the day, he's tired. He'd been doing it for some time, for several days now, and he needed some quiet, and he needed some rest. So he tells the disciples, get in the boat, we're going to go across over to the other side. Probably if they would have tried to walk, the massive crowds wouldn't have allowed them to walk over there. It would have just been a mess. And so never would have got uh, any kind of uh, rest in. And so get into the boat. Mark's gospel tells us a lot of little boats went along. Josephus, the historian, says there was probably a couple hundred little boats that were operating on that lake, the Sea of Galilee, at that time. So we see now that the scene really starts to develop as we look at verse 23. He says, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And so Jesus, he's asleep. Again, Mark's gospel tells us that a pillow was provided for him for his head. And it says a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. So it's getting tense now. And I just wonder, before we get to that part of it, I just wonder, it doesn't say, but I think it's a good listen to us, if these disciples, as they are told to get in the boat, they tell Jesus, you know what? You're a carpenter. We're fishermen. We know this lake well. We know every part of it. We know how to get across. So you just stay over there, and we'll take care of things. And perhaps maybe sometimes in our lives we'll tell the Lord that, Lord, I got this situation. Whatever it is, whether it's our business, whether it's a relationship, whether it's financial, whatever it is, Lord, I got this. You stay over there. I'll take care of this. I understand it a little better. And we can say those things in our hearts. And, and, and the thing of it is, and I say this often, nowhere in Scripture does it say that Jesus is to be a part of our lives. He is not to be an addition to our lives. He's to be all of our lives. And it would be Paul that would say in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our lives now belong to Jesus Christ. Not some of it, not part of it, but all of it. So I don't know if they did that. I sometimes wonder. I did know they didn't know what they were in for. 
So they head across the lake, and the storm comes down. Now, the Sea of Galilee, it's a fascinating lake, is in a beautiful spot in northern Israel, again, in the Galilee region. Some of you have maybe been there. And it is nine miles wide. It is 13 miles long. And one thing about the Sea of Galilee that a lot of people don't realize, that it is the lowest freshwater lake in, in the world. It is 682 feet below sea level. It's located 30 miles from the Mediterranean Sea. So on the west side of the lake, you have the hills of Galilee. That's where Mount Carmel is. That's where Nazareth is. When Jesus started his uh, earthly minister ministry, he would walk down from Galilee down to the lake, down to the area of Galilee. To the north, you have uh, the mountains of Lebanon. Mount Hermon is up there. It's the very, very northern part of the, of the state of Israel. And so it rises 10,000 feet above the surface of the water. The Galilean hills rise about 1,500 feet above the surface of the water. So the, here's Mount Hermon, 10,000 feet above the surface of the water. It, it's the headwaters of the Jordan River. It snows up there. They got a ski resort up there. They go up there and they ski. Now, it's not like Copper Mountain or Silverthorne or anything like that, but they still have a ski resort up there. And then to the east, they have these hills that rise 3,000 feet above the surface of the water called the Goldline Heights, some of the most disputed land in all the world. But that's another lesson. So because the lake is the lowest lake on the planet, because it's in a bowl at the bottom of hills and cliffs and plateaus and mountains that surround it, it's perfectly situated to experience severe and strong winds. So Luke geographically accurately describes these fierce winds as they're coming down on them. I remember when we were on a boat uh, ride one time in our trip, one of the trips to Israel, and I think uh, one of the guys was asked, somebody had this passage out, when it's asking them that, that was giving us our boat ride, he said, have you ever been out here on a really bad windstorm? And the guy said, once, and I never want to do that again. So they can get bad. So on this day, the storm is really bad, and they are in jeopardy. And Matthew's gospel tells us that the waves are breaking into the boat. And Mark's gospel says the waves were breaking or beating the boat, and the boat was filling up with water. So here you know that these disciples in there, they're, they're starting to panic. You know, there's probably all kinds of yelling, and there's all kinds of chaos that's probably started in the boat. And what was Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He's conked out. They were in trouble. And maybe there are times when you have felt that you were in the middle of a bad storm in your life and that you were sinking and Jesus was asleep, not paying attention or wasn't aware of what was going on in your life. And there can be times when life seems to be falling apart and we can say, okay, Lord, because it's just natural for us to do what? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Was it because what I did in traffic a couple days ago and it wasn't Christian-like? Is it because of that? You're not too happy about that? Or some other thing that I did and we think God is really disappointed in this. And we figure he's dealing with this. So we start to go down a list of things that we think that God is getting after us about. And then we can even start to bargain with God. 
to get through the circumstances. Lord, I'll do more Bible studies. I'll go to church more. I won't be nicer to everybody I work at, whatever the case is. And here's the other thing that can happen as we're going through storms. That you can have those in the church today, you can have other Christians that say if you're going through a storm, when things seem like they're falling apart, it's because you have sin in your life. Or you lack faith. Or you have rebellion in your life. Now with that said, if there is sin that you're engaged in, that you're living in, that's bad fruit. And bad fruit is going to bring trouble. God is a chastening God. And he's a loving father. And he chases his children. And chastening is more than just the idea of discipline. It also has the idea of setting a pattern. So discipline comes, which says you can't do this. But the positive side, repentance, say these are the things that you should do. And when we hear that word, we see that word repentance, we can kind of think that's a little intense, kind of an intense word. Repent. But it's a beautiful word. It's a wonderful thing. It simply means you're coming in agreement with what God says about your sin. You're going this way with sin. You do a 180. You turn back from sin and back towards God. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we know we've been declared righteous positionally when we're born again. All our punishments for sin has been put under the cross. Jesus on the cross is put upon him. And Romans 5 says we've been justified by his blood. Much more will we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Romans 8 one says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And our sins are forgiven and God remembers them no more, Hebrews 8.12 tells us. So positionally, we are justified, delivered from the penalty of sin. But practically, in our sanctification, in our Christian walk, in those times that we do sin, because we still have this flesh, don't we? And in those times that we do sin, we need to do back into um, the Lord, to move back into a place of blessing, to confess those things, to move back into a place of fellowship, to move back into a place where we're light and salt to a dark and dying world. So with that said, now this is important to note here in Luke 8. The reason the disciples are in this storm, this circumstance, is because they were being obedient to Christ. They were smack dab in the middle of God's will in their lives. Jesus said, go that way. What way? To the other side. They are in this boat, in the middle of this lake, in the midst of the storm, because they are being obedient to Christ. Not because they're rebelling, not because they're engaged in sin, but because they were obedient and that's important that we understand that. Because we can get in a storm and we can think, oh, I've done something against God. I've done something wrong. So I'm going to recommit my life. And I'm going to recommit my commitment. 
and I'm going to reconsecrate my consecration, and I'm going to fast, and I'm going to do 50 spiritual push-ups, and I'm going to huff and puff and spiritually blow away my situation that's causing my trouble. But it could be that you're moving in the direction God wants. And we get into it, and we get into a storm because of it. Now, here's the thing. I don't want to discourage you in your obedience. Living in obedience is where you are to be. Our love for him takes us towards an obedient life in him. But what I'm telling you is these guys, they're in the middle of a storm because of their obedience to the Lord. They had listened to him. But I would rather be with him in the boat in the middle of a storm, a place of safety and security, than be on the shore without him. And here's the thing. The older that I get, you know, the older I get, the one thing I realize in my life, I like a trouble-free life. (laughs) The grandkids came and saw us last week. And I tell him, I said, this is a drama-free zone here, this house. No trouble. I don't like trouble. I want to avoid the storms. I'm the kind of person, if I would have been in that situation, you know, and Jesus told me to get in the boat, I probably, you know, would have said, I don't think so. You know, I've been out on that sea. I know that the trouble can come. I know the wind can come up and stuff. So I'm going to walk around the lake. And it was up to me, after all these years I've been a Christian, I would have avoided the storms I came across. But if that would have happened, I'd be a much shallower follower of Jesus Christ of left to my own devices. And the thing I can appreciate the most of my Christian journey with the Lord is how my faith has grown as I see the promises of God working in my life and as I grow in my relationship with him. It's been the things that were hard and the storms that I came across the things that I would have avoided, I would have walked around that matured me as the Lord revealed himself in my trouble and as I had to draw close to him because he always promises to grow close to us. And we see in verse 24 here, he says, And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. These men, these disciples, are in the process of learning more of who is in the boat with them. For sure they think that Jesus is a prophet. He can heal the sick. He can give sight to the blind. For sure he, they know that he's a great teacher, that he has power over demons, that he can control the fish. They are certainly getting a hold of the idea that he's Israel's Messiah, but still thinking that he has come to overthrow the Roman government. They still hadn't come in full revelation of who it was that was with them in that boat, fast asleep on that that pillow. So their faith was lacking. Now you and I, today, we're still in the process of learning more of Jesus, who Jesus is in our lives. Certainly we know the essentials about him from the Bible. We know much more than they did at this point in Luke chapter 8. We understand that he's God in human flesh. He was born of a virgin. We know those essential doctrines, his death and resurrection, that he is the only way to heaven, the life of the Spirit in us, and 
So the disciples, they would come to know of these things after his death and resurrection. And we don't completely understand everything that's in Scripture to their entirety because of our finite minds. But we understand and we take hold of those things by faith, but we still are growing in our understanding of who he is. If you remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Jeff, you know, one of the things that he covered was the Paul's prayer for those Colossian believers. He prayed that those believers would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So we're still growing. There will never be an end to his majesty and to his grace and mercy and his goodness. So these guys are in the process of learning who Jesus is. We're farther along at this point. But again, after the resurrection, these guys would come to realize it because they become the foundation of the church. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That's what Paul tells us in chapter 2, verse 19. It will be their message of the gospel truth that they give the church, that gives the church a solid foundation. They were chosen by Jesus. They're commissioned by him. They will be empowered by the Holy Spirit who guides them all truth, helping them remember all that God has spoken to them. And Jesus is going to teach these guys on this day, in this storm, something more about who he really is. Now look again at verse 24. The way they respond to him. Here Luke says they yell, you know, now they're really panicking. Master, master, we're perishing. Mark says they yelled out, teacher, do you not care that we're going down, we're perishing? It was like, wake up, Lord. Don't you care that we're going down? We're going to die. Now, I've got to cut these guys a little bit of slack because they haven't read Luke chapter 8, especially verse 24. They didn't know how it was going to turn out. They couldn't say, this is going to be great. You guys remember Luke 8, 24, what it says at the end? You know, it's going to be amazing to watch. Can't wait to do that. They didn't do that. They didn't know that verse. Here's the other thing that I thought about. Not only did they not know Luke 8, 24, but also this is a storm And I can relate to this. This is a storm that involves them personally. They could say he healed the blind. That's wonderful. He healed the lame. That's awesome. He delivered the man with demons. That's powerful. But now their lives are at stake. This is their storm they are in. And we can say to others, the Lord is one who can heal, and he can restore, and he can rescue, and we can be confident that he certainly can do those things, especially for others. But it can be a little harder to be confident that he'll rescue us as we ourselves are grasping for air and we're going down. Our hearts sometimes can take us there. And I'm so glad for 1 John 3.20 that tells us if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. These disciples, they didn't know how this was all going to end. They didn't know Luke 8.24. And we don't know all the chapters and verses in our book either. Psalm 139 says our days are all written out and fashioned for us. There is yet a manuscript that is written out for us that we don't know all the details of. So these guys, they wake up. They're in a panic. 
You know, they have nobody else to turn to. You know, I can kind of see even myself with, with these guys. When I get in a difficult situation, I feel he's asleep. And I have to yell out to the Lord, where, where are you at? Don't you care? In my Christian life, he has showed me a thousand mercies. And one thing will come up where I'm in a little trouble and I start to yell at him, where are you at? I can see myself in them. And it says in verse 24, he arose. I would have liked to see what that looked like. Did he get up and kind of just stretch and yawn? I don't know. But it says he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased and they were calm. That word rebuke, it's the same word he uses when he cast out demons. So some, a lot of commentaries will actually believe that this was a, a demonic storm. That's why it was so bad. Be it as a main, he rebuked it. And there was calmness. And in verse 25, as we finish up here, he would say, But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Where is your faith? Now, we know he had, they had enough faith to wake him up. Matthew's gospel again tells us they said, he said, Jesus did, why are you afraid, O men of little faith? They had to trust the Lord that day in the most deadliest storms. And there you'll be, they're going to be moved to another level of faith. Their, late, their faith wasn't perfected yet. See, for us, we can be in a chastening storm. We can be in a storm that is a strengthening storm. But here the Lord puts the disciples in a storm so they could deliver them, so that they could increase their trust in him. And they marvel. Who can this be? Who can this be? Probably saying this to each other as he went back, laid back on his pillow, went back to sleep. This was really a miracle. The wind ceased and the water calms. In the Greek, it's, it says the water was beaten back to level. Calmness. The lake was smooth as glass. Whenever you get those highest winds on the Sea of Galilee, and, and a lot, uh, just about every lake, but at Sea of Galilee, they say it takes at least six eight hours for that water to calm down. Mark tells us that he said, peace be still, quiet and be muzzled, muzzled. So sunny skies, calm weather, all in an instant. Here are these guys, they're dripping wet. They probably got their jaws dropped looking at him thinking, did he wake up or did we just wake up? <laughs> How can this be? The winds in the sea obey him. Maybe they would remember, I think, later, Psalm 93. Psalm 93 that says, Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonder on the great water. And they see the works of the Lord and his wonder in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy winds, which lift up the waves of the sea. Their souls melt because of trouble. And they are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distress. He calms the storms so that the waves are still. 
These guys are marveling at this moment because they are realizing that Jesus is more than those things they had come to realize about him. Yes, he's a great teacher. Yes, he's a healer. Yes, he's Israel's Messiah. But they were at this moment realizing that they were in a boat with God Almighty himself. And they were afraid and they marveled. Jesus responds to these guys. I I love this. He responds to these guys according to who he is. And he responds to us in the same way. He responds to them in his own perfect love, not according to what they deserved. And he rebukes the winds in the sea and encourages them in their faith. And as we face our storms, as we continue to grow, as we come to know him, who he really is, we can come and rest in the calmness and the promise that he gives us. And when we still feel like those times when we feel like we're sinking, he will lovingly say to us, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Haven't I promised you that everything is working together for good for those who love me? Haven't I promised you that I will bring to you a glorious end? Haven't I promised you that I will complete that which I've begun in you? Haven't I promised you that I will restore the years the locusts have eaten away? Haven't I promised you that no weapon formed against you shall prosper? Haven't I promised to supply all your needs? That if you seek me first, everything will be added to you. See, a lot of times in our hearts... Faith and fear can occupy the same thing. It can occupy our hearts, can it? So don't let fear anchor there. Keep reading the word. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing what? From the word of God, right? So be ones that stay in your Bibles. Stay close to the Lord. Have your devotions. Be sure you're doing that. And, and grow in his word. Don't let fear anchor into your hearts. Feed your faith, and your fear will start to starve. Stay in the word. Meditate on it. Renew your mind with it. Continue to be out. It is good for us to be here, guys, isn't it? Getting rough out there, a lot of stormy weather. (laughs) Keep coming here. Have fellowship. Stay in prayer. Meditate on the word. And Jesus will always get us through the storm. He's never asleep. And he will never leave you or forsake you. So, Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for these just certain truths, Lord, that you give us. Father, we are so grateful that you are a loving God who loves us. And, Lord, you want the very best for us. And I just pray, Lord, if there's anything that we have in our lives that we need to give it to you, that we would do that, Lord. Whether it's in repentance or just something that we need to come to you with, that we wouldn't just give you part of our lives, we'd give you all of our lives, Lord. I pray, Father, Lord, that whether we're having a storm, whether it's a little one or a big one, whatever it is, I pray, Father, Lord, that you would just 
um, we would feel your presence, that we'd seek your wisdom, that you would be strong on our behalf as well, and that our faith would know and that you promise that you will be there for us. And we may not know the, the chapters and the verses of how everything ends in our lives and our storms, but we do know at the end of our manuscript, at the end of our book, we win. In those times of us, we are in Christ. Lord, may we rest in those things. So we thank you, Lord. I thank you for this church family. And I pray that you would bless us as we go our way, Lord. And so we just, uh, we just want to sit at your feet and look into your eyes where we can find rest and calmness. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.